Hey guys, we're But Why Though the Podcast, and today we're going to be recapping our adventures at the Rooster Teeth Expo, also known as RTX Austin 2017. I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Matt. Hello. And if you didn't notice, we did not introduce it as Bullshit Corner. That's because we're moving strictly to just doing reviews and recaps, and we're just going to call it what it is, reviewing and recapping. So original. (laughs) I know. A better name will come along in the future. I promise. So, like I said, uh, this weekend, uh, July 7th through 9th, was the Rooster Teeth Expo, also known as RTX. And they have a few around, um, I guess globally, there's uh, RTX Sydney. Yes. So they are a international organization. Um, And what this developed out of was a need for Rooster Teeth, the production company, to give something back to their fans. And I guess need isn't the right word, but they realized they had a lot of people who loved what they were doing, that loved Red versus Blue, who loved the early Rooster Teeth stuff in 2011, and they wanted to do something to have a community gathering. Well, they set it up to sell 200 tickets. Lo and behold, they sold 500 tickets. (laughs) And since then, it has grown exponentially. And I believe last year it was 40,000, if I'm correct. From what we were told, yes. Yeah, from what we were told. And this year, they were over 65,000 people. Um, And there were times where it felt like it. Yeah, there were definitely times where it felt like 65,000 plus. Uh, before we go a little further, can you like, because obviously this was at least my first experience, I guess I knew some stuff about like what Rooster Teeth is. Oh yeah, I should probably do that. Um, so like Matt just said, this is our first giant exposure to Rooster Teeth. But for those of you who don't know, Rooster Teeth is, I believe, technically a publishing company. Um, at the moment, they're doing games like Battle Sloths. Um, they also have, they're most known for Red vs. Blue, which started out on YouTube, and the anime Ruby. Um, those are probably the two largest fandoms, but basically starts off small doing uh, YouTube content, and then it grows. And as it grows, it's starting to do podcasts, streams, obviously their own animation production, as well as their own video game production. And now they actually have a lot of different people associated with them. So I believe two of the ones that you'll probably know listening to this are Achievement Hunter and Funhouse. And these are little, I guess they started off as small YouTube channels that grew big enough to move away from Rooster Teeth and then something like Achievement Hunter then grew some more and then had its other things like slowly diversify away from it. (laughs) So Rooster Teeth is gigantic and I didn't realize how big it was until we came here. Yeah, that was something I was, I had heard of them, I guess per se, but I'd not really like ever really known about them, knew exactly how big they were. I I watched Red vs. Blue a little bit, but (laughs) that was a long time ago. But besides that, I really didn't, I guess associate so much with Rooster Teeth. Yeah, I did not expect the level of fandom and the level of community at this. Yeah, that was definitely new. Yeah, and I think one of the things for us too is this is probably one of the most interactive conventions that we've been at. Like the people who are on podcasts um, who are, I guess, basically celebrities in a sense. Yeah. They were interacting with everybody, walking the floor. Like it was pretty awesome. Um, oh, and Screw Attack. That's the other one people will probably know. Screw oh, there Attack. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a really great experience for us. I can personally say I'll probably go watch some Ruby after this uh, just because they played little clips and everything <laughs> while we were waiting at center stage for other stuff to happen. So now I have to go watch it. Although I feel like I have a spoiler now because I know one of them loses their arm. But yeah. Anyway. You just ruined it for so many people. I'm a dream crusher. There you go. That is a fact. So this high involvement of community brings me to my first point, which is the cosplay that we've seen here is a direct reflection of this deep fandom for everything Rooster Teeth. Everybody at RTX was cosplaying. And I say this because in all of the prior cons that we've covered, it was big cosplay on big cosplay on big cosplay. And you know that they've spent at least 500 hours on their costumes And not to detract from that, but I didn't see a lot of people just wearing their favorite character's hairstyle and maybe wearing the colors that they were. Like, you had everything from day cosplay to an entire ODST, like, group. Um, 
and you had people that were probably cosplaying for the first time or people that were just walking around with their props like a giant weapon from one of the animations yeah there was definitely a lot of props that was something i was really i guess surprised by and i guess even the cosplay in general because we see these big cos uh yeah, cosplays and like you said multiple hours put in and we we've interacted with like the was a 501 first for the star wars yes. but not only to see them which they were there but to see as you said the odst people were there yeah so the 504th i believe is what they're yeah, called like they were also there they had a bunch of like a destiny type group of walking around yeah i believe impact <laughs> props yes that was them um in some really great destiny cosplay. i never see, i had this is the first time i actually s- saw destiny cosplay yeah that's probably for me as well which was amazing because i didn't i mean i always knew that they were beautiful characters in destiny whether i like the game or not but the amount of detail that were that was put into the armor was just insane yeah there was a lot of like armor pieces being made also just quick correction it's the 405th not the 504th i was in my my star wars mind for a second there um but the 405th and they do halo cosplays and then there was also the prop makers coalition which was just a whole bunch of prop makers from across texas who yeah they cosplay but the majority of them their first passion is building props and then they make cosplay on the side yeah that's what was kind of i was going to get to say like as much as there was so much cosplay, they actually had a cosplay-like prop uh, auction. They were giving away props and, like, helmets and weapons. Yeah, they had an entirely functioning uh, golden thorn. Yes. That was really cool. They had a highly detailed um, Horizon Zero Dawn bow, and that was... The golden thorn was from Impact Props, and the um, the Horizon Zero Dawn bow was from the Prop Makers Coalition. Yes. And those are just two of the big ones. There were a whole bunch of other ones. And, and it was really cool because I believe the 405th booth was also doing cosplay repair. Yes, they, 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 had, a giant, well. <laughs> they had a giant sign that said, don't be embarrassed. It happens to everyone. And they were repairing people's cosplay if it had broken during the con, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but some people did have to dismantle their armor at certain points of the convention. Yeah, dismantled <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> But uh, what also I was going to say was was cool, because we were talking about, I guess, the props and some of them they gave away, but there were so many weapon booths that were oh, yeah. given away. Like, there was an actual katana booth that were just selling, uh, what are we, katanas? I, I know you're focused on the katanas, but within the katana booth, within the katana booth there was also a Loki scepter from Avengers. <laughs> there was also the uh, replicated uh, lightsabers. Ultra sabers. Ultra sabers, my bad. Yeah. Well they, right. well, they look a little bit different than lightsabers. I also didn't realize how complex these lightsabers were, or ultra sabers. One, in the sure pricing range of these yeah. things, but let alone you could change the colors. You could literally plug them in to connect them to a USB port in which you can then download different colors. You could also download sound effects. So instead of just getting your normal like lightsaber, <laughs> yeah, you could make it do whatever you want it to. Say yeah. whatever you wanted to. Actually, at the uh, SideQuest uh, Barolympics event, Griffin with StackUp.org, he actually brought it to play pool. Yeah. <laughs> so these were your, definitely your heavy-duty lightsabers. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons that they're called Ultra Sabers, because you can go online and you can get, um, you can buy custom-made lightsabers to be replicates of the ones you see in the movies. But most of the times, those are made out of really fragile material, and they're mostly just for display. But the way the Ultra Sabers are built, they're actually made to replicate fighting. So that's something you may see, like, actual, because there are guilds that get together and choreograph fights for Star Wars, and this is something that they would use because they can take the impact of being wielded beyond that i think this is the second thing we always talk about so we always talk about cosplay and we always talk about charities yes and there were four charities in particular that were there four or five four there was four depending on how you want to classify side quests which we learned about Ah, yes this is true so the first were our, I, I see them as really good friends, friends of the podcast now. <laughs> uh, One Up on Cancer was there. And if you don't know about them, we will be having a Missions That Matter episode uh, featuring an interview from Chris and Christina Halsedge, um, the co-founders of the organization. And the organization itself focuses on adults with cancer, which is something you don't see a lot of. The main focus, and these guys were there as well, is usually on extra life, helping helping kids with cancer. Right. Um, but One Up on Cancer 
takes care of the people who need it after they've left, you know, the St. Jude system or the St. Baldrick's. Um, so if you want to hear more about that, that will be dropping on July 26th. So take a big red marker and mark your cell phone calendar or just like point at it. Please don't mark your cell good. phone with a red marker. Well, I was going to say like a paper calendar, but nobody uses those anymore. Okay. <laughs> Draw just... it with your finger or your stylus if you have a giant phone. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so in addition to them, there was also the Able Gamers charity, which we did talk a little bit about on um, our PAX South episode, which was episode three. And Able Gamers charity, for those of you who don't know, they focus on making gaming accessible and inclusive for those in the disabled community. Um, And this means that they help um, commission specialized controllers to help people who may not be able to use the console equipment the way able-bodied people do. Um, Because obviously a company will put out stuff that the majority of the population can do, but when they do that, they create an exclusive space that does not include the rest of the people who may really, really love games. So they work hard to make sure that the people who want to play get to play. On top of that, well, we just briefly mentioned Extra Life. They do the 24-hour streams to help raise money for children with cancer. They were also a sponsor of the event. They had, like, giant banners everywhere. Yeah, I don't know if they were a sponsor or they were sponsored to be there, but they were definitely the only charity that had, like, banners and everything. You knew that they were there. They were, like, the only charity that you would know was there. Yes. If you didn't walk the con floor. Oh, so true. Um, Which kind of made me a little bit sad just because, I mean, every charity is important. This is not me shading Extra Life at all, but I think that every charity that puts this amount of work and passion and dedication to help people should be recognized at that same level. But yeah, Extra Life still does good stuff. The one thing that matters is that you support people that are doing good work. Yes, that's um, the number one thing. Yes, but on top of that, make sure you pay attention on the con floor. There are great people doing great work, even if they don't have a giant banner. Um, and then finally, there is SideQuest, which we said is a charity, not a charity, mostly a charity. It is an organization that grew out of Rooster Teeth, actually. So I just mentioned that Rooster Teeth initially signed up for 200 people and then ended up getting 500 that very first year. And this was, we actually got this explained to us by the creator of SideQuest, um, Dominic Dobrensky, which is, he's an awesome guy. Uh, we met him at the Bar Olympics that was on Saturday night at Buffalo Billiards, where they have every year, yes. I believe. Um, and what SideQuest initially was, was they decided, hey, we're going to have a community weekend for the people that are coming and can't get in the convention or, the, or you know, the space won't hold all 500 people or, you know, even now just can't make it to the convention you if you can't afford a rtx ticket you can you can afford a side quest ticket and it's a way for you to still get involved with the community and from this it evolved into an organization whose main goal is to connect communities with charity so uh thursday night before the expo launched they had a charity auction yes and then on top of that they were raising money on the floor as well and they also work really closely with uh stackup.org who are also friends of the podcast yes (laughs) (laughs) um and we covered them in our first missions that matter episode which i believe is episode 19 Yeah, they were also as much as their booth they were also giving away stack up stickers for to help them and i think they i want to say they had one up on cancer stickers they had um i don't know if they had one up on cancer i know they had uh operation supply drop. that might have been the other one that yeah I saw they had yeah they had operation supply drop there um and they had stack up and they had a sticker that was a guitar head i just grabbed it i wasn't sure what it was they were busy but yeah gonna shake my head <laughs> but yeah they were not only were they you know, raising for their cause, but they were helping in getting the word out and raising awareness for other charities. Yeah, well. they, they gave visibility to the charities that they were promoting, which is really good. I really want to highlight their mission statement just because it really fits with the stuff that we do as a podcast and what we like to highlight. Their mission statement is as follows. We aim to bring gamers together, not only in the name of fun, but also in the name of raising awareness and support for worthy charitable causes and to build friendships across the many walks of life present in the gaming community. That's awesome. Like hands down, that's (laughs) awesome. On top of that, it is a community of gamers who believe that our passion for nerdy things can be harnessed for a greater good. 
Like, that's just, like, that is so appropriate for us. And I just want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Brian, who we hung out with at the Bar Olympics. He was awesome, and he really kind of showed us, like, the heart of SideQuest. And although they came out of RTX and grew from there, they also do community events throughout the year where they aim to not only um, fundraise, but also get the community together um, through community weekends. They just did one at Dragon's Lair, and they have one where they will be partnering with StackUp. Yes. Um, coming up this next month, and we're we will probably be there, and you will probably get a recap for that, it, or at least a blog, because it is definitely something that we're we're looking to get more involved with. Yeah, so this is also just something through. I think they only work through Austin, though. Is that correct? Yes. So they are centered in Austin, and it does. Um, I should have asked that question. I didn't ask that question, but looking through all their uh, their programs on their website, mm-hmm. um, they do only seem to do stuff in the Austin area. Mm-hmm. So, um, although. Uh, Dominic Dobrensky, the main guy, is from Canada. He's a Canadian. He's Canadian. He's awesome because Canadians are awesome. Yes. Go Canada. I think, like, although there were some really great charities there, I kind of felt it more than I had at other cons that there was an overwhelming amount of merchandise. And I don't know if it was just because all stuff that I wanted to buy that I noticed. (laughs) Um, But there was just so much. I felt like it really overwhelmed the floor. And unless you were really working your way through, um, there was, I think, maybe one lane of game devs there to test out some indie games. I mean, we're not really big indie games players, so I guess we shouldn't be griping about that. There was about one aisle, and they had a few. I think Alienware and Razer had little mini tournaments going on that had their own little side little units for games but besides that for the most part it was literally merch yeah it was all Uh, merch 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 and like the center stage i think what really uh, drew me off about the merch i guess so much because obviously i like looking at the merch and i think going to cons and seeing those you get a very unique uh sense of merch because it's usually things you cannot find every day yeah without having to use the interwebs but uh, there just seemed to be a lot of uh, booths that seemed to just sell the same thing. Yeah, it was really repetitive. I yeah, noticed that's that, what too. It was weird to me. Is like There's like four booths where I could buy the exact same thing, and that was kind of what threw me off about it. Like the, um, the cute little narwhal shirts that I love, there were like three different booths that pretty much sold the exact same shirts with the exact same character but a different saying underneath it. Yeah. Same. And it was really weird. Same with all the plushies in the mystery boxes. What do we had? Two booths? Yeah. Which, I mean, teach his own. Make money on what you can. Yeah, yeah, no. It was but fine. I it was... expect different, like, different stuff from yeah, everywhere. Was, well, I mean, I just remember we were looking for something. And it's like, okay, well, we can go to five different booths. And we'll just see and compare. But I will say this. Uh, the one thing that did make me really happy was I was able to become a proud owner of a Miss Marvel shirt. And up until that point... I had not seen a Miss Marvel t-shirt. And by Miss Marvel, I don't mean Carol Danvers. I mean Kamala Khan. And that made me really happy because I wrote my thesis on her. <laughs> so I obviously love her very much. Um, so thanks, whatever booth that was. That was only slightly overpriced. Those weren't bad price t-shirts. No, they weren't bad compared to like the other ones. Um, but while we're on the topic of merch, actually... Um, so we'll talk a little bit later in the show what Rooster Teeth got wrong... Um, informing the the RTX um, like organization, but what they got right was their merch line. Yes, their merch line moved incredibly fast, and that was something. When we went to TwitchCon, we spent an hour and a half to get into the expo hall. Um, after we already got our patches and everything, we were just kind of waiting instead in of going to panels line. in an imaginary line that turned into a blob, to then rush the merch line. To then wait for three hour, three about three three and a half hours in the merch line to then get up to order what we wanted. Uh, well, actually, we ordered what we wanted on cards, and then it was a giant mess at the actual checkout line. So that was like another 30, 45 minutes because they had to pick all your stuff out because you gave them the card. They picked it. It was it was really bad. It was it was way worse than it had to be. If we have any of our TwitchCon friends listening, hashtag uh, merch lineup. Yeah. Team merch lineup, let's go. But anyway, that ran probably the smoothest of any large merch line that I went into. And it was, I believe it was larger than, than TwitchCon's merch. Because 
they had a little station in this like giant squared off area for all of their animations, all of their games, all of their like side projects like Funhouse and Achievement Hunter and Ruby, everything was there and they were all on their own designated like tables. And it was giant, but it was controlled. So essentially you got in the line, they let in 25 people, people shop, they get in the line to pay, let in another 25 and it was going in waves, it was going really smoothly. And then we got up there, we were like, oh, this is going to suck. It's going to be the the checkout line all over yeah. again. And then I got, I waited in line while he kept looking because I was like, oh, this is going to take forever. And before I knew it, I was ready to pay out and it was done. And I was like, oh, this was awesome. I mean, we did do it on the last day. Um, so it might have been a little worse before. Well, even day two when uh, Quinn was there, uh, she didn't have to wait as long as well either. That is right. Yeah, she was maybe 30 minutes for the whole process day two slash day one but yeah. yes yeah so uh, yeah so uh claps for rtx for putting on a good merch line um that's about all the claps you're getting for me um anyway dive into special events let's tell them what was actually there oh yeah and the special events so the cool thing about going to rtx was that they had exclusives that debuted there and they had their season premieres so th- for their personal shows. So they had the Ruby season premiere, I believe, the um, Minecraft story mode season premiere, which was actually really fun to play uh, or to watch. And I say play because they actually they had um, crowd play on where the crowd got to choose the decisions that they made in the game. So that was really fun. They were very savage, as, <laughs> oh, they, God, put, as was, they put it. No, they were wishy-washy because first they hated yeah. puppies. And then they loved puppies. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> so in addition to the Rooster Teeth exclusive animations, uh, Netflix also showed up and debuted Castlevania Season 1. And there was also a special early screening of War for Planet of the Apes. Whatever the new Planet of the Apes movie is called. Those did not happen because <laughs> it, I was in line for eight hours yeah, they didn't happen. But they did. Yes. And they happened. For the seven people that made it through. <laughs> yes. They happened at the Paramount Theater here in Austin. And if you're not familiar with the landscape of Austin, the Paramount is pretty much a historical theater. And there you get all the comedy shows, comedy tours, the special early release movies, um, and some theater productions that go through there. But not only did they have the Paramount, they also had the Hilton Yes. And they also had a rave that took place at the JW Marriott. Um, there was a rave. We did not go to it, but there was a rave. And by the looks on people's faces on Sunday, it was a good rave. So in addition to all the stuff they had going on at all of their random other uh, locations, because they also had a concert at Stubbs, yes. which is one of the also one of the most well-known venues in Austin. Uh, on top of that, all of this, the stuff that took place inside the convention, um, they had the animation festival. Yeah, the animation festival where <laughs> they, uh, they, like I like I said earlier, they debuted stuff. So Ruby Camp Camp, um, and it was going on pretty much all three days. We got to sit in on one panel where they played a whole bunch of clips. Yes, and then they kind of talked about... So they played basically an animation clip. It'd either be like an intro, maybe a short clip. And then they talked about... The people who actually work on some of the stuff talked about how great this animation was, the differences between animation, and asked the people in the crowd what they thought. And just kind of... Basically, they just played different types of animation and basically critiqued it, I guess. Yeah. It was really interesting because I've never thought of things from like the animator's perspective. Yeah. So to get that from actual... Um, Rooster Teeth animators was really fun. Yeah, we also got to watch the debut of all the Adult Swim stuff as well. Yes. So um, at the center stage, there was Adult Swim Presents, and they had an episode of Squidbillies that was unseen. So all the footage they showed us was unseen and then streamed later. They also had the debut pilot for a new series called Tigtone. Which, I don't know how I feel about that series. If you get a chance, go to adultsum.com and see if you can watch it. It's weird. But, like, not even just Adult Swim weird. Like, extra weird. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really weird. I mean, I still enjoyed it. You also love Wizards. It was still great. Okay. Um, And then they also had, which was their big one, and who we were wearing on us all 
three days because it was on her lanyard, um, the premiere of Apollo Gauntlet, which had been streamed in a previous format before and now is being brought to Adult Swim with some changes. And that was highlighted by the fact that they had a panel with the Squidbillies and Apollo Gauntlet creators there to do a QA and a and kind of give more information about what we had just seen. Uh, did I miss anything? I feel like I missed any. Um, I want to talk about the Let's Play, which I thought was really cool. Yes. Uh, so basically they set out giant blocks where the center stage, where they played a lot of games. There was actually a lot of game playing on this center stage. And what they did is a lot of the hosts, they would they would divide up in teams. They played like, you know, Halo, different types of game modes, maybe some other types of debut games. I think they debuted the game Hero, which they were giving out beta yes. codes as well for. And so they would put up the teams if there was a team game and they had basically two hosts or two creators played on one team two hosts two creators played on another team and then they picked people from the crowd to then fill in the rest of the team yep and then they had two color commentators right in the middle yes. that would that were usually hilarious yeah so and it also wasn't always let's play because let's play is like a well I, that, yeah that was the big one that was on there yeah. but they had some of the other ones i think for the hero one it was actually literally we were debuting to play yes. hero versus yeah. like let's play was just a variety of games yeah which that hero game was actually really interesting because you go through with the team and then at the very end for the big boss battle you go in one by one and you like slowly do chip damage on the boss and hope not to die <laughs> I think it was also set up to where you wanted to go first to get the first chance, but most likely you were going to die and make it easier for everybody behind you. Exactly. So it was a uh, give and take in that. Exactly. Um, That was really cool. I think the other thing that I... Guys, I'm going to say this right now. I want to get to the point with this to where you, the fans, can lift me up to the sky with your love for Uh. me. (laughs) Um, And I say this because we went to um, one of the live podcast recordings that they had there. And it was for On The Spot. And On The Spot is pretty much a podcast game show where you have the one host who brings people on and they play games against each other. And I don't remember this guy's name, but he was dressed up as Wonder Woman or he was in Wonder Woman Underoos. And he got, they did their, this is also my favorite moment of the con, by the way. They asked for, from Kind of Funny, that's who they're from, Kind of Funny. They wanted team names, and theirs was hashtag Batman versus Superman was a good movie. And everybody started booing, and then the guy stood up on the table and was like, for too long, we've been silenced. This was a good movie with great character development. For those of you who are with me, come to the stage and lift me up into the sky. And then a whole bunch of people came up to the stage and he crowd surfed in the middle of the auditorium, in the middle of the expo hall to a crowd chanting Martha. And I knew that our co-host Adrian would have died a little bit inside had he witnessed it. I think I died a little bit inside watching it. I was laughing. I mean, I was laughing, but I also <laughs> died a little bit. The laughter outweighed the dying. Probably that moment, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, crowd chanting Martha at the on-the-spot live podcast recording. That was my favorite moment, even though I know I jumped to favorite moments, but that was my favorite moment. So are we jumping to favorite moments now? We can jump to favorite. Actually, no. Save your favorite moment for the end. That's what we should end on. Uh, okay. Build fun. up the suspense. Whatever. Build up the hype. That's fine. So we did all these really great things, and we also got to meet some really great people. As you can tell, we kind of did this in little sections, and we weren't really sure where to put them in. But we met uh, Dr. Patricia Todd from Western Kentucky University, and she was really cool, really fun. She's also the marketing the marketing head for When Up on Cancer, and she is the chair of the marketing department at WKU. And what they were doing there was uh, she was actually running a really brief survey. It was actually probably one of the best surveys I filled out. I just had to circle things. Yeah, you had to circle 10 items. Yeah. Great. <laughs> no offense to the... Florida State people from DreamHack, I liked what you guys were doing and everything, but toned down the survey a little bit. There was a <laughs> lot of questions. <laughs> and so what their survey was for, their survey was to kind of look at the impact and the popularity of streaming. And she was using this to prove that streaming is definitely a viable marketing opportunity um, and a really intense one. And I kind of had to look myself in the mirror on that paper and realize just about how much Twitch we watch and you watch more than me. So I wasn't ashamed though. I don't, doesn't bother me. I was just kind of like, dang, not only do I binge 30 hours of TV on Netflix, but I can also binge like 
streams. Which I guess I wasn't looking into the mirror. But it was more kind of like realizing that they're pretty much the same. It's a source of entertainment. And it's a way for people to sell you things. Um, and not necessarily sell you things, but highlight things that they love. And then you can love them too with a promo code. <laughs> that that sounded way more shady than I meant it to. I would... So like streamers have promo codes that they do when they get sponsored by stuff and i would personally love to use uh promo codes from i think we have actually used promo codes from streamers that we've watched before um you can do it for loot crates g fuel um meta threads also meta threads will take a month to get to you no matter how much you pay for shipping just showing throwing that out right now anyway um so it was a really great opportunity, and the um, on top of that, we got to meet Kira, who is a streamer on Twitch as well, and she is at twitch.tv slash K-I-R-A-E-Y-L, and she is the head of Twitch Tennessee, mm-hmm. as well as Twitch Nashville. Yes. And um, for those of you who don't know, not only is Twitch a giant community, but it also has a whole bunch of little communities situated in all of your states. Which we learned that as well. Yes. We did not know that before. And then, if you go below the states, they also have it set up with the cities. Yes. Which we also learned. And there is a Twitch Austin, which we're super pumped for, and we will be applying to... Well, I think there are a Twitch, like, Texas. Well, actually, no. There is a Stream Games from Twitch Texas, who then coordinates in Austin, which there is now a Twitch Texas, which works out of Austin... San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston. Yeah. And they're powered by Twitch versus being Twitch, right? Yes. Okay. So eventually what happened was a bunch of streamers, they all, you know, they interact, you know, through streaming and games and talking. And, well, they're like, hey, we all live in the same city. Let's get together and, I don't know, hang out and go to eat or go to a bar or do something. And so they started doing meetups, and they called them Twitch meetups or such. But the problem is you can't just call a company by... Or use their company logo without permission. Well, Twitch <laughs> kind of saw this was happening, and so they kind of wanted to make it more organized, and so they basically spread out into, like, I guess, a bunch of mini state branches. And so now they have Twitch meetups throughout these states with coordinators for there to help all streamers and just people who love Twitch actually meet up and meet individuals close to them. And we got to go to one after the uh, by the after the Barlympics at yes. SideQuest, and it was super fun, and it was really great to meet people who really wanted to get to know who you are. And that was something I really loved from RTX, was just meeting people who wanted to have that personal conversation with you and really see what you were about and really tell you what they were about and just bond. Um, also, big shout out to Elvis, from who is the Austin lead here for stackup.org. Um, we got to hang out with him Saturday night as well. Um, and he was kind of like your introduction into this world of really awesome rtx people um (laughs) so i'm super excited i feel like i'm leaving rtx with a community around me or at least a community with the door open for me yeah no we met definitely met from compared to some of the other conventions we've been to we definitely met a lot of people and definitely interacted with quite a bit more people compared to like say south by southwest which we did earlier in the year dreamhack as well and even pax is south as well and so, yeah, but the cool thing about the Twitch thing, which I kind of should have brought out, but yeah, they're in all states from what I understand. So we keep talking about Austin because that's where the convention was and kind of where we're located and whatnot in Texas, but they also have them in California. So if you live in California and listen to this, if you're in Oregon, Florida, Maryland, Virginia, they have people there coordinating Twitch meetups and coordinating these events throughout their states as well and it's really as simple as going into twitter and putting in twitch insert state here um they have those handles yes (laughs) so um look at getting involved you do have to go through an application process that is just to make sure that you're not like breaking twitch's terms and conditions um but they're really great people um at least the ones in, in austin and texas are um look into your local branch and get involved if you're streaming it's really great to have that support there um, and also really want to say thank you to Kira for um, navigating us through that party <laughs> and for, um, I believe he is at Delacroix on Twitter for sending me the Twitch invite. <laughs> um, I will be putting both of them in the show notes because our Saturday night would not have been complete without them and Elvis. Yes. So um, I also think one of the really cool things at the con 
was probably the product I've seen everywhere but didn't know where to get it. The Webaround, which yes. is the uh, the Chromio, Chromio cap green screen that streamers put behind their um, behind their seats. Um, it's really awesome. So if you're looking to take your stream to the next level, I would definitely go to Webaround and check them out. Um, they're at webaround.com. Vwebaround. Um, Vwebaround.com. Um, and we'll all, we'll put that on the show notes. But I think they're really interesting because um, we actually got to talk with the CEO, uh, Linda Bavay. I apologize if I'm getting uh, your last name wrong. Um, but this actually started as a way to give people working in an office environment or at a home environment that mm-hmm. have to do digital calls um, to kind of eliminate all that background, to make sure that people aren't focusing on the people moving behind them, or if you're providing customer support, um, visually somebody can just look at you, hear you talk, and it evolved from just branding the web around, and she, uh, she would print their brand images and everything like that to actually making it green, and making it a green screen. So com- so I believe she had mentioned that a bank had asked her, hey, we want a cityscape in the back. Yep. Can you print that on all of them? She's like, I'll do you one better. You can get a green screen. We'll show you how to connect it. And you can put, you can project on it anything you want. So it can change with your brand. Um, so I thought that was really awesome because I hadn't really thought about the use of a personal green screen outside of streaming and then I realized I work in an office and I have to take video calls all the time and now that I'm working more from home having this is perfect because I don't have to I don't have to worry about whether or not my dog's going to jump up from behind me and you know invade invade my work call <laughs> we'll be testing this out on stream this coming friday um possibly sooner if i can get a stream up i'll probably do a little bit of hearthstone um and if you want we can actually probably do a demo on how to get in how to use it yourself um, we're really excited to use this product um so big thanks to the web around and go get it or at least look into it it's a really great product and it's a damn good idea yes yeah, so we have gushed about RTX up until this point, but there is something that must get covered, especially since my most famous retweet, retweeted tweet is about RTX Day 1. And it how was people no with, Day 1. There, it was Day 1 or Day 0. Day not happened. Where pretty much it is a gif of people throwing money into a furnace, and that was to represent all the people with Friday passes. Yeah. Um, do you want to explain that, Matt? Well, do you want to explain our misery or the entire part of misery? Okay, so I will explain <laughs> how the misery happened. So, to set the scene for this misery that was RTX day one. Um, initially, RTX was small, and then they grew, and then they grew, and then they grew to 40,000 last year, and this year they increased by 25,000 people. Like much things in Austin, our roadways being one of them, they did not know how to adjust to the giant influx of people. And because of this, there was a lack of coordination involved with the registration line. The expo hall line was because there were new security protocols in the Austin Convention Center because of that crazy guy in Phoenix trying to kill the Green Power Ranger and a lot of the other things that have been happening around our really terrible world. And so they had to bring in metal detectors. That wasn't RTX's fault. The registration line was. And so I'm going to hand it over to Matt, who probably has some of the best descriptions <laughs> of what this life was for us on day one. Or Well, we can even start one. with Thursday. Well, we actually we can even start before Thursday. One, if you're a giant convention, why do you not mail your passes out? That's the simplest thing. You buy a pass when the things release or within the first month or so guess what we'll mail them to you about a month beforehand and guess what that covers about 60 percent of your people if not more so you don't all have to sit up and worry about giant lines picking up registration if you're a large convention why do you only have three registration booths with two people at each of them i don't know so go on from what i heard about thursday which is the one day you could actually pick up early apparently that line got capped two hours early before it closed because there was too many people and it was so slow to pick up their registration badges. 
I was unaware of this, and we obviously were busy, so we would not get there. But from people we talked to, they said Thursday was just as bad. And so probably only 10 people were able to pick up their badges throughout the hours of Thursday. So, Friday we arrive. We try to arrive at a decent time. We right, arrive when it opens. Well, yeah, well, you mean even earlier. It was like an hour before it opened, right? Yeah, it was an hour before we opened, and usually we've never had a problem with badge pickup. Obviously, you know, you're going to wait in some line, especially if you don't pick up early badges or whatnot, but usually not anything crazy. We decided to go eat because, you know, sometimes you go eat, you let the first wave or two go through down, and then by the time you get done, you only wait through about one wave instead of four. Not sometimes. Literally our entire sample size of conventions. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is about noon. And we get back. They had just pretty much opened. And we are go to get in line. And we are told the line has been capped and we are no longer able to get in line. Which I don't know how I was unable to get in a line that I'm supposed to pick up my badge to then attend. Which is also weird because they told us to come back in like 5 to 10 minutes and then we could then get in line. Which made no sense because the line would then move and then other people would come and then therefore you would never get in line. Capping lines, I will never understand. They make no sense. Follow the Twitch lines at, uh, follow Twitch lines on Twitter. They'll tell you when to come back to us. Yeah, don't care. I said no. Whoever, whoever <laughs> designed cap lines for at yeah. least like that type where the line is consistently moving. So this line, I guess, I don't know if, how many people have actually been to a convention center. But at least the Austin Convention Center has two floors, and it's a good, you know... That's four floors. Well, it has four floors, but we only need about two, two and a half floors for this explanation. Okay. <laughs> we need about two and a half floors, about three rooms, five lines. So the registration was on the first floor, uh, we'll say with the west, we'll go with the west corner. I think it was actually the east corner of the convention. The line then ran all the way through... To the west corner, which there was an escalator, which then went up the line and then went all the way, continued on the second floor. While continuing the second floor, it went into a room, which then within the room where there was then tape where you then weaved within the room. That then, was after they sent you down that really long No, because it oh. actually, we're going that oh, way. Oh, okay, that's We're going right. to go feed all the way back. Oh, okay. So then, after you get out of that room, you then wrap around in the west corner. Then you take a, I guess you're heading back north or south, whichever direction we're going. We'll go with north. So then you head all the way down the north hallway, all the way down that hallway, wrap around that corner, and then you come all the way back down the north to west corner hallway. And then you basically went all the way back down the original hallway, which you'd already gone down once. And you You, waved to the people. Yes, you waved at the escalator that went down to the first floor. And then you went all the way back to the second floor, east corner, which then kind of ran on the stairway to the escalator to the third floor. So after you waited all that, you then could finally get in. All I know is we sat in that line for three and a half hours to get to the first floor, which by that time they were already telling people to then go home because they weren't going to be able to make it into the convention. And this was at about 3.30. The the convention or the expo closed at 6.00. They then tried to change, I guess, the protocol, which allowed more people to pick up their badges, which was great, because the one thing about a convention in the expo hall, panels are usually placed in different places than the actual expo hall. So at least if you have a badge, you're allowed to go to panels, or let's say, try to attempt to get in to watch Planet of the Apes, or Castlevania. Which you talked about all weekend, before, when you had your pass, and really wanted to see. Yeah. Well, which, but if you do not have a badge, you cannot do anything. So at least if the Expo Hall line, which was also another three-hour wait, because they had two metal detectors for 65,000 people, and they were also making people with 500-hour cosplay armors that we kind of discussed earlier, then take it all off and then put it all back on. So they were letting in, at least I thought the report was about three people per 20 minutes, it seemed like, or 10 minutes. Yeah. Because uh, it was basically like airport security for a convention. Where people show up in full armor. Because that's smart. And weapons. Which, by the way, the weapons check was a complete big mess all in, in and of itself yes. as well. I don't know what happened with that, but I just know 
We waited three and a half hours. They sent people home. If you had a Friday pass, you were unable to basically even enjoy the convention. And if you did, it was for like 30 minutes. The expo hall line was at least another two and a half hour wait. And at least, like I said, at least if you could get your badge at some time, I could go watch a panel and hopefully maybe then try to get an expo. Or at least enjoy a panel or two and go home and know I'm not going to get to see the expo since it is three days. But without a badge, you're unable to do anything except yeah. stand there and stand there and be yelled at. Oh, and they are also, I guess we're not planning for enough people because they tried to make us into basically human centipedes. Which then they were crushing people together and literally told people to get backpack to backpack. Total strangers and I'm supposed to hop on their back. There was no personal space in those lines. Which made the lines also five wide so they can then fit all the people through the line. So this is also not a single file line that is going from the bottom floor of the convention center all the way throughout the second floor. It is like a five wide line. Um, So just picture that. Whoever made that decision was... Yeah. I don't yeah. know what happened exactly, obviously. We talked. We also, between, we thought, well, maybe this is just our, well, besides people in line, which you could see. We talked to basically people with higher-up badges between VIP badges. Exhibitors. And exhibitor badges. And they also had problems as well, because apparently VIP, you pay a lot more. And so you usually got to cut the line to go see what you wanted. Well, apparently, because the lines were so bad, people complained. So then they told VIPs, who then paid six times the amount of a regular badge, to then go to the end. Which obviously meant VIPs were asking, what did we pay six times the amount for? Same goes with the exhibitor badges. It was so good that, one, they had to pull the Twitter feed off the big screen because it got so bad. And everybody was also tweeting either bad things or they were tweeting because they made it in saying, this is awesome because there's nobody here and I can lay down and watch a panel. Yep. Oh, and then, speaking of tweeting, then at RTX event, which is the designated and verified RTX account tweeted out that there was no line for registration, just the expo hall. (laughs) To which they got many replies of people who had been waiting at least two hours in line, taking pictures of themselves in line and asking them, what line am I in? Which even got even worse because then they kind of devolved those lines to try to say there was no line. And then it just ended up with a bunch of people. Everywhere. I don't know. We left. It, it, yeah. We went home. So we, we didn't get we a day one. We were the only one. people, but we did. Yeah. We, we didn't get a day one. Day two is our day one. Um, all that being said, it was a terrible con experience for that first day. And it was probably the most unorganized thing I had seen. Um, but... At least from the people we've talked to, RTX was actually really open to trying to get constructive feedback on how to make it better. Yes. Um, because they they weren't prepared for 65,000 people. I don't know why they thought that they could do things the way they did. Well, I didn't even like the um, fact that going into the expo, you usually go through security, get in the expo. Well, then they made you, when you left the expo, then you had to go back to security again just to go back in. Yeah. And I, was, I think that, that threw has me to do, off as well. Yeah, I think it has to do with the, the Austin Convention Center stuff. I don't know. All I know is I ended up walking through security like five times. Yeah. But all this being said, day two was a lot smoother. Day they two They wanted and day me three. to take off my belt. I know. It was an airport, but still. Like that... RTX doesn't have a control over that. They don't. That, 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 that is fine. Austin Convention Center. That is not RTX. And that's that is fine. because somebody tried to kill the Green Ranger. We don't know that for a fact. Yes, we do. No, not the reason oh, oh, security. Yeah. What exactly okay, happened yeah. with that? Well, no, the, the, it's been happening like nationwide for cons. They've been cracking down on security because security at conventions is usually really lax. So long as you have a, you don't have you don't right. have metal detectors. You have somebody also, checking your bag, and that's it. Yeah, the weird thing also is usually you scan your badge to go in. We go through security, then they want you to scan your badge, which was weird. Yeah. But then it was also weird because day two, basically they let everybody in with nobody scanning their badges. But then if you left the expo and then came back in, then they started making you scan your badge. Yeah. So apparently if you just got there early at day two, they just let you right in. Yeah. You need a badge. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. Honestly. Yeah, I, I don't know. So anyway, if you move on to the next thing, day two is a lot better because they had nine metal detectors instead of two. Because whoever made the call for two for 65,000 people was not smart. 
Um, and they, what they did was they took over an entire portion of the expo hall and made that all security. And they really focused on getting people through there quickly. Right. Um, so they did fix it. Um, there, and it got done. It sucked that it was like an airport, but they did the best with what they could from um, the Austin Convention Center, and they fixed it for day two and three. It wasn't a hassle. Um, other than the human centipede waiting, but we did that at PAX as well. <laughs> Not that bad. No, for, on day two, where like we all had to sit in the thing. I know. I'm talking about it. Oh, yeah. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. They literally told me to to get on somebody's backpack. Yeah. That I should be touching somebody, random stranger's backpack. Yeah. If you can sit down, there was too much space between you. Yes. Which, anyway. Okay. So that was our salty side for what happened at RTX. And you can look up the hashtag. Like, it was going on a lot. But they did redeem themselves. I would definitely go again next year. What about you? Is this on our con radar? I'd rather go to something else. Okay. Between the price of the badges and what I had to sit through that and everything else, true. I'd rather go somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Let me rephrase this. I would definitely go to the side quest yes, events. Yes, I will show up to all side quest events and all the other stuff, but I'd rather go to something else for RTX. Yeah, I can say there. So we will be buying side quest badges next year um, and getting the awesome community experience. Um, but, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Do you? Oh, now, now that the hype has been built up, if you remember it, Matt's favorite moment of the con. The only part of day one was an old lady thought it was Ed Sheeran and told me that she will take my picture and send it to her granddaughter. And then, like, told you to move because you weren't in the right light. Yes. There was no asking involved. There was, yes, there was no asking. That's why I said told me to. There was no, it was, you get over there. This is awesome. You look just like him. I saw him on the Good Morning American. Yes, she said American, the Good Ameri- Morning America. America. Can't even talk now. I will take this picture. This is hilarious. Awesome. Yeah, so I want to be an old lady soon so I can have that that type of power. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so as always, uh, rate, review, and subscribe us. And if you have any cons coming up that we might not know about, send them, our, send them our way and we'll look into going to them. Uh, we can't promise, but we can try. As always, I'm your host, Kate. And you can find me at OhMyMythRandier on Instagram and Twitter. Also on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash OhMyMythRandier. And Matt? You can find me on Twitter at datm18, D-A-T-T-M-1-8. Awesome. Have a good day. Bye-bye.